It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 10th day of July, 2015. We're here today for the Basser Hour with Jay Basser as as a host. And uh, this is Gerald Cook. I'll be the co-host today. How are you doing today, John? Buddy, I'm doing okay until I clicked on the show start and I got that crazy recording from Blog Talk Radio. (laughs) Last time well, we complained, they said it was our problem. So, T-Bird, if you're listening, please contact them and get this stuff fixed up. You pay them too much money for bad service like this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, put uh, me in the mood. Today we're, we're going to put a little tribute to uh, our good buddy, uh, Stretch, uh, uh, Mike Sasser, our UCR technician here uh, that passed on with lung cancer. And uh, our prayers and everything go out and well wishes go out to his family. And uh, we did have a lot of response there on Had It. Uh, he was really well liked. And, and of course, uh, uh, he was like a brother to us, and we're certainly going to miss him. And I've worked with Mike uh, for about 10 years on these radio shows. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, uh, we worked a long time uh, when we was on that other network. Uh, I forget the name mm-hmm. of it now. But, uh, you don't want to remember that name, Gerald? <laughs> Uh, He was there a loyal, you know, just anything he could do to help. And and, and when we come over to add it here, uh, it's the same way. Anything he could help with, uh, he was really a uh, computer guru. Uh, He could do about anything with a computer. Uh, He done really good. Uh, I know when we first started out, I think we was using Skype. We had a lot of trouble with that. Mm-hmm. But he was able to work through that. He was uh, uh, converted from this thing to that thing, some other kind of thing. Well, say the truth, Earl. I mean, back when we first started out with Skype and uh, with our, you know, the shows we were doing, we'd just come off of. Uh, um, you had a, another deal working out, and I guess you took some time off, and then we started doing the shows. And one had it started to give us a little bit of a, uh, a little boost back in the day. We started on Skype, and uh, we tried to get the shows done as early as possible in the morning because 
once uh, about 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock Eastern time hit in California, logged on to Skype, look out. That was yeah. like, uh, yeah, I mean, that uh, bandwidth would, that would do a nosedive. So we'd do the shows, and Mike, and uh, you know, he would uh, he would go ahead and he'd go through the recordings, and he'd listen to every word. And, uh, of course, Skype, you know, you have a lot of, um, of course, Skype never tend to do a radio show anyways. But, uh, you know, it's just a phone call situation. And then, uh, actually, we had to go to meeting, too, and uh, we did go to meeting. Remember those? And they had some technical issues too, and uh, we always had some background noise, or somebody was too close to a computer, or something else was going on, or a caller would call in and cut the show off. All kind of problems. And Stretch worked; he worked tirelessly, relentlessly. He would take uh, the recordings and he'd go through every every bit of, uh, of of amperage on it and listen to everything, and he would uh, adjust volumes to the entire show. And then he would take the show and he would put it in a program called Audacity, and he'd do it again. And he'd have to change the uh, format of the program to get it to where it would go and to have it, you know. And people could listen to it like an MP4 or, or, you know, shrink it down enough to where, you know, people could understand it. And all of them shows are like that. We've got archives. I've got uh, a terabyte disk right now, two, two terabyte external hard drive full of shows. That yeah. uh, he sent me here a few months ago. I'm glad he sent me those. I mean, it's uh, you know we'll miss Mike. Uh, you know, Mike was the ultimate perfectionist. He wanted to be everything to be just right, and uh, he strived to do that. And up to his dying days, you know, he always wanted to do that. He was a very, very astute engineer. I mean, you know, he could design stuff. Uh, we worked together on a pump that he worked on. He sent me a little disclosure agreement that I wouldn't. Uh, you know, disclose any information about it because he was trying to get it patented. So he had a lot of stuff going on. Yes, he did. Uh, but uh, he's one. I miss him because he'd give the shirt off his back. Uh, he wasn't a little guy, no means. He's probably six six or six. About say six six six, six foot seven. Big tall fellow. We called him Stretch. Uh, he was a uh, Airedale. I guess I can call him Airedale now. Never did call him Airedale. To begin with, but I'm a Navy guy, as you know. You're, if you're an Airedale, you work on the, something to do with aircraft, and if you're a snipe, you worked in the hole. Yeah. So uh, that's what we, uh, um, you know, we always tease each other and things like that. We got along really well. He called me a lot. We talked often. Uh, he's the type of guy, if he wanted to call me, he'd call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. He didn't care. And, you know, we talked. So, uh, you know, I miss him. Uh, I miss his uh, witty attitude. He was real funny. Uh, had a lot of advice. Had a lot of things like that. He was a, a 50, 40 to 50 year recovering, recovered alcoholic. I mean, he had it bad back in the day. And he'd been sober for that long. And uh, matter of fact, his uh, Twitter handle was SoberVet, or his uh, Facebook handle was SoberVet. Yeah. And uh, we're proud of him for that. I mean, he even went back to California a couple of years ago, kind of as a tour. We didn't know it would be a farewell tour, but it was. And, uh, you know, he went and meet some, seen some of the folks that he'd been associated with. Uh, he left his wife, Christine. I had a, a daughter and a son, some grandkids. Uh, his daughter posted a post on Hattie the other day, so maybe she'll hang around and, uh, you know, kind of keep, uh, keep, keep him in the mix. So, But it's hard to believe he's gone. Uh, you know, we knew he had lung cancer. We didn't know at the time when he had lung cancer when he found out. We knew when he found out. 
uh, you know, because he'd been sick for a long time, hadn't he, Drew? Yes, a, a real long time. And uh, he started going through strokes, uh, when was it, uh, two years oh, ago? Oh, it's been now? about two years. Well, I said about a year and a half ago. Somewhere he had his first one. In there. Yeah. He had and, a uh, bad stroke. And, uh, See, he, he had an aneurysm repaired in uh, Little Rock, right? Yeah, and he had the yeah, stroke after that aneurysm, I believe. Okay, so, okay. So, now, folks, I don't know. I mean, it's up to you guys whether, you know, it's a trust factor involved with the VA. Um, Stretch had always wanted to go to the VA because he felt that his you know, his issues were service-connectable, which a lot of them were, a lot of them are. I mean, uh, he was based uh, on carriers. I mean, so he was exposed. He was on the flight deck, and he was exposed to a lot of stuff, I mean, a lot of silicon sand and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in jet blasts and things like that, and uh, even some chemical stuff that, uh, you know, he even talked about. Uh, I know he was on the Ranger and another carrier, too. Uh, you know, we seen some pictures of him stuff on the flight decks, and he had a couple of issues and problems. He got hurt pretty bad, so took him a long time, but he finally got his hundred percent. He got did he get an SMC drill? I think he did. I think he yeah, did. Yeah. I, and, uh, I know uh, where. Uh, I think he uh, he got to where he was applying for housebound or something like that. Didn't he get that? I think it's because half bound. He's trying to get aid attendance too. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, you know, it's just time didn't last long enough. I mean, it. That's the way it happens, though. It's uh, you know, once uh, once cancer gets you, but it gets you, and uh, it's hard to. You're not gonna get away from it. So, especially well, diagnosed with cancer. He had uh, talked about uh, the VA should have known that they, they never informed him. I don't and believe they for me. I don't believe they did. He went to an outside medical facility and knew the ones that diagnosed him. And folks, and, to tell you uh, the truth, uh, Gerald and I both uh, we pleaded with him to get out of the VA. Uh, because, you know, he would tell us some stories and things that went on, and we pleaded and pleaded and pleaded for him to get out of that situation. And he, luckily, he did get out of the VA, but when he got out, you know, and started getting treated outside, and they come up and they said, buddy, you got lung cancer. And they started treatments immediately, started getting, you know, radiation, chemo, made him sick. You know, it made him pretty sick. I mean, there's days he couldn't even move, you know, Gerald? Yeah. He was uh, he was getting worse and worse, and uh, mm-hmm. finally he he did go out. He had Medicare and he had a uh, gap insurance also. And uh, he did. Yeah. Uh, uh, USAA, I think he got the same one I got. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, he utilized those and. Uh, but by the time he, you know, he was informed that he had uh, lung cancer, it was uh, stage four lung cancer. Yeah, and well, it was fast, fast moving by then. And, and, uh, so, my question is, did, know, did the VA know that? Well, uh, 
saying, oh, it's his finances and this and that and all kinds of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of x-rays and things. Uh, uh, they just didn't diagnose it. And, I like uh, to look. I like to have some investigate that. Uh, I wish somebody would. Uh, it uh, because to me that's malpractice, uh, and and uh, I would imagine family has a wrongful death suit there. Well, I don't know. If they've got a suit, you know, if they carry on with it. But I think if something needs to be done. Check into that because you know if that happens to one veteran, that's yeah, you're right. It's going to happen to others, and probably already has. Fat uh, Bill's where he was going, you know, and yeah. I had a brother-in-law go down there, and they didn't diagnose him. He had colon cancer and, and then prostate cancer, and then it went to lung cancer. By the time they diagnosed him, it was so far gone, there was nothing they could do. So it's too late, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they tell you when you're on your deathbed, oh, we overlooked it or something, you know, just another one of these hoop-to-raw deals where somebody falls through the cracks. Well, there's too many falling through the cracks. There's no excuse. You don't want to be the, you don't want to be the veterans fell through the cracks, folks. Uh, I, it's, it's to the point where if anyone has Medicare and uh, uh, although that gap insurance uh, is a little pricey, but I'll tell you what, uh, it, it beats the uh, it, it beats the death sentence uh, as far as I'm concerned. And probably shouldn't say this. I think they already got everybody file stamped deceased. They're just waiting to put a date on it. And uh, I'd be a little leery. Uh, VA's good for some things, some things are not. And for whatever reason, they don't want to diagnose nothing. And that's where we're getting in trouble, a lot of veterans. I just don't find out until it's too late. If you catch you cancer not, early on, if you catch cancer early on, you have a chance. Now, if you wait till it's in stage four and probably stage three, a lot of times, you don't have much of a chance. Yep. Well, as far as anybody is. Going through a situation similar to that, to always at least seek an outside second opinion. Uh, yeah, but see, he didn't. Uh, he was taking them at the word. They just sinuses, or he had the flu, or he had something and this and that and something and the other. And uh, uh, by the time he did go outside the VA. But he was bad sick when he, he finally did go outside of the VA. He was, was real sick. Too, yeah, it was just too late. And and what a shame, you know. 
had they caught that early on, he would have had a chance anyway. But still be here. Yeah, I think so. And uh, even when he had his stint down, I tried my best to talk him into going to, to a better hospital. Private hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got the University of Arkansas down there. It's a pretty good hospital. Well, you would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, well, bless but, his heart, he was a good guy, and he he did. He would try to help anybody he could. Mm-hmm. Uh, he very, uh, uh, you know, good people. You know, we've been on had it now for, uh, I guess I've been on had it for about 16 or 17 years now. And I've met a couple of folks on had it. But, uh, you know, we talk to each other pretty regularly, you know, as far as on the board or Gerald, you and I, and stretched in these shows. Uh, you know, we, of course, we, we've met each other. We know each other. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm fortunate to say that. Well, you know, we got you know we got the chance to meet Mike, and uh, you know, get to know him a little bit. So, you know, it makes it feel a little better, you know. But it also hurts a little more when it passes away because you know the face and you know the person. You know, so uh, we dedicate this show to him. Uh, you know, and we'll do more and more shows here later on. You know, because you look at the people we've lost in the last couple of years. Yeah. I got that three or four times. Uh, Whenever I'd go to uh, Fayetteville, uh, that's where they always send me for CMP examinations. Mm -hmm. And he would usually meet me down there and we'd go have dinner or something, you know. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was... He was a very nice guy. He was hell on wheels, I mean. He was. I mean, he had a nice family. He, yes. You know, lived nice. pretty good. Had a farm. He raised some cattle. Yeah. Uh, um, he had a shop. He liked to do some tanking around then, did some stuff. And of course, he lived in the Elkins, Arkansas, which is a. Uh, Real small place, and uh, you know, I guess it's uh, it's a pretty pretty good piece of town out in the country. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's the best he could do with what he had. Well, he was kind of an inventor. Mhm. So if he needed something, he knew how to make it. Mhm. He had the tools, lays everything, didn't he? Yes, he did. I, yeah, he did get him a lathe, a small mm-hmm. lathe. Had him a little shop built there. Yeah, a little shop going on. And tell you something else, that man, that man could play some old rock and roll with a guitar, too, couldn't he, Gerald? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we used to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, he mm-hmm. played the music and played guitar on kind of a startup like a lot of shows yeah. have music the start mm-hmm. up and, and uh, uh, he'd play that guitar mm-hmm. he was pretty good at it 
really good at it. Yeah. Later on, his uh, fingers wasn't quite so nimble, but he'd still play pretty good tune. Yeah, he played pretty good tune. Back in the day, he could break one. I mean, he really could. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but uh, that's something, you know, that gifts or abilities, things like that. Now, I think he, uh, I think he's in a better place, Gerald. I don't think well, he's suffering anymore. And towards the end, he it was pretty rough, but uh, like you say, he's in a better place now. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. I think he died an early death. Oh, yeah, he did. And a wrongful death. Mm-hmm. He did. There's no doubt in my mind he died, you know, because, you know, just, I mean, he went downhill after he started getting treatments. We thought he'd improve a little bit. Sometimes he'd sound good, and other days you could tell that he was uh, uh, out of it, you know. He got to where he'd call us and stay on the phone about a minute and a half. Whoop, got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, First guy, this last time he got out of the hospital, uh, the first day there, I talked to him, and uh, he sounded pretty good, good and strong and everything, cutting up. Mm-hmm. And uh, next thing I knew, he was in trouble again. So, I would say you get better before you go. You know that? Well, they say you do. Mm-hmm. So, and... And, uh, but, uh, he was always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, we always yeah. had something to, you know, yak about. Yeah, you guys always stay on about something. He's always riding each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had fun. Mm, you guys had a lot of fun. So, it's, uh, you know, that's good. He was but, always uh, correcting me on my speech. He Politically correct he was now. Yeah. It'd tickle me to death. He'd be writing these letters to his congressmen and senators and stuff like that. And he's right on their bandwagon, you know. He would tell them, you know, he's for them and, you know, and ask them to do certain things and help them. He, he, he had an open link to him. He wanted him to fix the VA and he's going to tell them how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> the world needs more people like Mike Sasser, folks. He's a good person. Yeah. Good person. Yeah, you know? he was a good person. Mm. Hard work. Californian, too. Ca- Californian all the way, though. Yeah, we raised him a lot about being a Californian, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Put a California and Arkansas almost like putting one in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tell you, I had to learn to speak, speak the language there. <laughs> well, but, uh, you know he's in a better place and he don't have to worry this stuff anymore. Hopefully, Chris can get her thing lined out and get her DIC and. Bless her heart. Yeah, she's a good, good lady. 
I've spoken yeah, to so. her several times, and, and uh, she's uh, uh, going to submit the paperwork to, for DIC and stuff, which I hope well, he had any trouble. Well, he has 10 years, and they can't give him no trouble. Well, let's hope they don't. If they do, yeah, then we'll so. have to jump in there and assist. Help her out. Folks, if you're sick, if you if you're sick, folks, and you've got cancer or anything like that, you never know what's going to be on the other door. I mean, once you get situated, because once you get a diagnosis, you know you got a chance of getting cured or whatever. That's fine. But while you're fighting this, you look at your family, look at your wife. Go ahead and get those forms and get this stuff printed off and filled out, and leave the dates off of it and the cause of death off of it. Have her write it in there and send it in. Yeah. Because, you know, we do what we can do to take care of our families. Absolutely. And uh, fill it out. I've got a disc made for my wife in case something happens to me. You know, and it's got the insurance papers and everything. Yeah. And uh, be careful when you do this because the VA likes changing them forms a whole lot. Just to confuse the veteran. Yeah. yeah, they like doing everything. That's, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. This whole system. It's it's just like the Mexican government. It's about as corrupt as it can be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've we've had shows on the death pile. Every veteran mm-hmm. should have a death pile. That's and right. The show's might, called. It might sound morbid, but I don't know yep. what other term to use. Well, we had the show and we had Berta on there, and Berta gave us a big definition. But Curtis, Berta has lived through this firsthand. You know, yes, she was yes. gracious enough to loan us her ear and to give us her experience and to tell us what to do. And, uh, you know, so. She did a wonderful job, and and uh, you certainly need a death file, and that's uh, have your birth certificate, your DD-214 or 215, whichever it may be. Marriage license, uh, uh, divorce papers. Have you ever been married and divorced? uh, Divorce Mm -hmm. papers. uh, Insurances. Insurance papers. Everything Mm -hmm. should be in that file. And uh, I guess uh, Chris had told me that Mike had done. Real good. A lot of that, they had most of all that information. She already had her papers filled out to submit mm-hmm. to where she can uh, substitute, be substituted for him. They yeah, we talk, I talked to him about that and told him what to do. Yeah. So. yeah. And that show, he was part of that show too, you know what I mean? Yes, Remember that? Was. Yes, so. absolutely I do. Yeah, so. That helped him out a whole lot. It's what to do in case I die, folks. Look it up. Uh, the show's probably five, about four or five years old now, but it still stands. Um, uh, yeah, the same same principle stands. And while you're alive, uh, now it's time to <laughs> not when you're dead. Uh, yeah, you can't do it from a box. Deceased, uh, uh, then uh, a lot of times uh, you're... Your poor old spouse, they're, they're going to, you know, they got enough misery. They don't need life any 
money harder on them, and that right. just helps all, you know, makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might take you a while to gather it all up, but you can do it. Yeah, do it. You gotta fill that. Ready? One folder. Keep it in your filing cabinet or in a in a safety deposit box. Or mm-hmm. if you have a safe, uh, keep it in there. Just leave the date, the, time, the death, the cause of death, and the date off of it. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Then you send it in. You make sure that whenever you go to the funeral home. Them guys will ask you how many copies of the death certificate you do need that you need, and you tell them you want eight to ten to twelve copies of that sucker. Absolutely. The more I'd copies, say, the better you are. I'd say minimum ten, but yeah, uh, uh, always get at least ten copies. In some cases, you may need more. And not only that, here's something to think about. In the future, down the road, uh, there may be uh, necessity uh, necessary to have a, something may come up that you need to have one uh, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Uh, it's cheaper if you get it right then. Uh, if you wait, later on you have to order them. And then it takes, you got to sit and wait on them, and then it's going to cost you two or three times more. So you might as well get about ten of them, keep them in a secure place, and uh, uh, they're going to come in handy. Well, you know, Stretch had cancer. And uh, from what I understand, the VA never informed him that he had cancer. And he was found out on the outside. So, folks, we got to come up with a way to fix this problem because there are too many veterans out there dying, you know, from things, uh, you know, especially from uh, uh, RO-induced PTSD and all kinds of different things like that, you know. This is not comical at all. Uh, veterans do die. Um, you read about it in the newspapers, and you read about it on the Internet, and you see this veteran did this or whatever. He died from this or that, waiting on care. Uh veteran wanted to form they had this disease. He died, or, you know, he goes in for uh, surgery on his foot, and they take, his le- take, his wrong, take the wrong leg off, or, you know, anything like that. So... Um, it's got to be fixed, and but what you run into is you run into a bureaucracy because it's a government organization. Well, we know we just can't go fix a government organization because a government organization is exactly a government organization. You know, it takes you twenty five years to cut through the red tape, and they got it on so thick. You know, you, it's hard to cut it. So there ought to be a way. That can happen pretty quickly, decisively. They can fix the whole process in just a matter of months. Daryl, what's some of the ideas kicked around to fix this uh, mess? Well, I'd have all- to say, from what I've seen, and uh, now let's let's look at the overall picture here. We have such a gross waste of funds. Uh, 
every time the VA builds a, a another facility, they're always over budget. They're giving away uh, all this bonus money for these people that's just got so hard-hearted that uh, veterans can't hardly work with them. And uh, it's a nightmare. The only thing I can see uh, that makes any logical sense is privatizing. Uh, uh, let the veterans go to the local hospitals. Close all these other rinky-dink places down that's uh, causing all this pain and misery. And that way, if a veteran don't get treated right at local hospitals, usually a lot of towns got two or three different hospitals. So uh, you're not stuck just going to one place and uh, saying, well, you can't have this treatment, you can't have that treatment. Uh, wait six months, and uh, you get, oh, man, that's a horrible mess. Well. Uh, I don't know the exact cost involved, but uh, look at the cost of running a hospital, especially the bigger hospitals. You know, I mean, it's in billions of dollars. And uh, I think, uh, you know, once you get that overburden and, and the overhead out of the way, and you can issue the veteran a card, let him go pick any doctor he wants to, you know, and depending on your service-connected issues, you know, say, for example, you're 100% or, or if you're in part of Group 1, you know, give you that card, everything's covered. You know, and then if you're in part of Group 2, you know, you can do everything's covered that way and, you know, you need co-pays and things like that. But still, I mean, it can be done fairly easily. And, uh, you know, dental insurance and vision insurance, you can that card cover that too. You know, if these places are going to do this, you know, that's a dead weight. And that's, that, that, that's, they're wasting billions of dollars, Cheryl. They are at that. Uh, billions of dollars. Uh, you know, so. And, you know. and what you run into a lot of times at VA facilities, I happen to be going to a pretty good, but I have a good little uh, mm -hmm. team there. Uh, I go in, I do my blood work, and uh, uh, check my pulse, my heart rate, and this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and help me with my prescriptions, uh, because when you take a lot of medicines, you uh, you always want to be quizzing, uh, inquisitive about your, your meds. Is there any updates? Is there anyone you can drop? Uh, can I drop this pill, that pill? Anytime you can eliminate taking a, a, some kind of pill, uh, you know, you ought to do it. And if you can't, then they ought to be able to explain to you why you shouldn't drop this med or that med. Uh, but anyway, I happen to have a pretty good team, but now there's a lot of them uh, that... That's not that lucky. A lot of veterans just, uh, they go in and uh, they, they just don't get treated well, all in all. And, no. And, uh, it's pretty sad if you're a veteran and, you know, you've had a pretty rough life as you got out of service or whatever, you don't have health insurance, you don't have Medicare. You get in a car drive to the VA and you go by five doctor's offices on the way to the VA. 
know. So there you and, go. Uh, <laughs> I go more than that. <laughs> If you drive you know 125 I mean. miles to the VA, <laughs> you go by five hospitals or more. <laughs> well, I live in right in the middle of Lexington, Kentucky, okay? Lexington's a town, I've, I don't really know what the population is, but it's several hundred thousand, okay? And uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five. Six, maybe seven hospitals in this town. And uh, so, you know, we got, actually, Lexington's got two VA hospitals. They got one that's uh, part of the University of Kentucky, which is uh, behind the, you know, UK. And that's the uh, main hospital. And we've got another hospital built back in the 40s during World War II, the 30s and 40s, out in the outskirts of town, a beautiful campus, a beautiful place. On these old rustic buildings and stuff, you know, and they've redone yeah. it, and they've got uh, that's where you go see your primary care clinics and stuff. They've got, uh, and they got some mental health people over there too, you know, do the mental health stuff. But it's a beautiful place. Personally, I'd put the whole hospital there because it's big enough. There's enough room because the University of Kentucky is such a uh, money-grabbing bunch of people that uh, they charge the employees that work at the VA several hundred dollars a year just to park. Yeah, and uh, luckily my bride retired from that outfit, and she don't have to pay that parking no more. And uh, so uh, you know, but it's all about the money of that bunch. Guess I got to pay that basketball coach, you know, that millions of dollars to coach basketball or something. I don't know, but uh, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and uh, you know that's a good school. Forcing my son makes good enough grades to go elsewhere. <laughs> but if you're old enough and you have uh, Medicare and uh, you've, you've been able to secure uh, gap insurance, yes, uh, then uh, I've had good luck with the VA, my primary care physician there at the VA. I'm working really well with my my doctor here in town, and mm-hmm. uh, they'll uh, if he writes a prescription, he'll fax it to them and to them, and they'll say if the VA can get it for me, and mm-hmm. uh, usually they can. Well, all right, now here's what I want to tell. Okay, folks, if you're a veteran out of service and you've had some hard times and. Uh, you really don't have a job, or or, or you've got you know a job that doesn't pay very well, and you got you know you got life expenses and things like that, and you have to rely on the VA. If you're ten percent or less, if you're zero percent, go ahead and get on exchange and sign up for Obamacare. Sign up for it. Sign up for that uh, health care law. Yeah. That'll at least get you. That'll get you some. You know that way you can go anywhere to see the doctor. You don't have to go to the VA. You know, that's that's what it's for. That's what it's for. That's the beneficial part about it. You know, but if you're working and you own a company or something like that, you try to get it, you forget it. Uh, now, on that, uh, uh, if you're not making very much money and you're only 10 or 15%, uh, 
disabled, you can fill out a means test if you're not working. And mm-hmm. uh, I forget what it is for a couple uh, to make. I don't know offhand. 33000 a year. They might have changed that. Uh, but if you make uh, uh, less than that, you can... Uh, uh, waive everything. Yeah, they'll waiver your your copay, and that's really quite important. And also, uh, now, do you have to be a certain age, John, to get, uh, like, uh, uh Retirement, veteran retirement, like uh, you know, eight 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 hundred dollars a month or nine or a thousand. Now you have to be a wartime veteran. Oh, a wartime veteran. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a certain age to have a pension. Oh, okay. Unless you're totally disabled, yeah. You got okay. compensation and pension. But remember something, guys. Compensation is the amount of earnings ability that your service-connected disability has cost you. And that's based on the actual manufacturing economy in the United States. There's a factor formula they use in order to determine each percentage versus the economy, okay? Which basically, I think it should be a lot higher than what it is, but, I mean, it's, you know... Remember, you also figure the same guys that do the rages every year, and they try to figure uh, well, they figure out the uh, what's that thing called the cost of living raise. They, they do that uh, use that cost. Oh, cost of living. Yeah, yeah so that's how they figure the cost of living raise each year. They use that. Uh, there's numbers, and it's got a bunch of commodities and things like that, and they put it together. It's not the ghost domestic. What's it called? Uh, I forget now what it's called, but that's how they figure out your raises now. Uh, John, I think we have a caller. A uh, caller? Right. Uh, you have a question or comment? Hello, caller? 760 area code? Yeah. Oh, I guess not. No. Well, I guess they were listening. And, well, we should have picked them apart. I guess they were just wanting to listen in. That's fine. That's fine. So we call that a hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know whether they was calling in or what, so I asked. Yeah, um, so they basically raises off that stuff. And they know they can do means testing and things like that. They can discuss what you have to pay and you know so but um they're back drill oh <laughs> well i guess they were just wanting to listen okay yeah yeah a uh, caller are you in there i guess not Yeah, are you talking to me? Oh, here we go. Yeah, actually, I was just calling in to listen. (laughs) You guys guys post these podcasts on Hattie all the time, but you don't post any directions on how you can listen in, so I figured I'd just call in and see if I could uh, 
listen to the broadcast. Well, you can okay. listen right here, or you can talk if you got something. If you have a question or comment, uh, yeah, we're glad you called in. Uh, that's great. Okay, I'll start posting links too to how you can listen to it too. If you don't want to call in, that's fine. I'm, I apologize for that. Sometimes yeah, I actually, get a little bit of hurry. <laughs> I actually went back at some of the old posts for broadcast and didn't see links there either. It was just kind of uh, kind of strange. You'll see, I actually posted the question: How do you tune in there on the on the forum? Okay. Well, but I'm really here just to listen. I'm really here just to listen in, folks. So. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, Danny. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, where was you at? That was some kind of index uh, uh, that they yeah, used. CPI. Uh, yeah, CPI. CPI. Okay. Yeah, CPI. Yeah. index. Yeah, they call it a consumer price index. That's more or less. That's uh, actually, the actual terminology that I use for that is called the convoluted price index because they put what they want to do and what figures they want to do, and they stack the figures on their side in order to give us the lowest possible number. That's true. You know, because uh, you tell me that uh, they can't give you a certain raise whenever uh, gasoline doubles in price and uh, yeah. everything else is sky high. And they said, well, things are coming back down now since gas came back down. When you go to the grocery store and you look at prices before the gas went up, everything's gone up yeah. 10%. Well, the gas come back down, guess what? Prices are up 15% now, okay? It's all about who's gouging the profits, okay? It's all about greed. It has nothing to do with uh, CPI. And uh, another thing, uh, talk about prices going up. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, 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 bag of bean, a pound, one pound bag of bean. Now they're ten ounces <laughs> or twelve ounces, yeah. fourteen. Uh, yeah, they want to cut back on the gas, drill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, on, on the too. subject of. Uh, on the subject of pay there, uh, I, I've always wondered why when when I look at the, the rate of pay for disability claims, why someone being disabled, say, at a rate of 70%, only pays them uh, around 50% of what 100% pays. Anybody ever figure that out? Yeah. You know, why don't you? The reason the VA does that is because their whole system is based on the combined rating schedule. And, for example... If you're 100% disabled, you're 100% disabled when you get the full schedule. Okay, now, if you've got two different ratings, okay, so you've got a 50% and a 40%, you should be 90%, right? It's not the way to do yeah, it, though. They take that 50, they take the 50%, okay, and they put down 50 then they take the 40%, not of the of the other remaining 50. So you actually it's 50, 40% of 50, which is 4 out of 5. So that gives you a total rating of 70 or 60, 70. Then you start adding 10s in there. You can have as many 10% as you want to have because once you get to the 10th, 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 10%, that's 1%. It is a curve the way they've got it figured for the rating and the, the the pay is based on the same type of curve and it's one of them curves you can reach out and change your tail lights going around one of them hairpin curves 
That's the problem with the writing schedule. That's yeah, yeah it sure doesn't seem to make sense with somebody who's got a, a single disability rated at 70%. Yeah. Well, actually, you're better off having a one at 70 because if you've got a bunch of 30s and 20s, you, it, it's harder to get the ultimate 100% goal because, you know, the higher percentage you have, the better off you're going to be in the long run. You know, so, I mean, some of us, I mean, there are very few veterans have a single 100% rating. You know that? There's very few of them, though. Yeah, For yeah example, I've, I've actually noticed that with my research, is yeah. that that's pretty rare. Yeah, very few veterans. And you have to have a pretty serious disability, like a major heart condition, uh, pulmonary hypertension or something like that, or, uh, you know, something that way, or, you know, be a have multiple sclerosis or, or anything to have a 100% rating. And I've seen some folks with two or three 100% ratings still walking around, believe it or not. Yeah, well, it seems like the VA likes to rely on people applying for TDIU rather than uh, giving them a 100% disability, even if the picture of their overall disability seems to justify it. Well, well TDIU not a really a, or it, it's not a rating though is it yeah I no, that's kind of my point they, they would, they, yeah they would prefer to rate somebody at 70% and give them TDIU that they can turn around and yank back from them at any time it's a whole lot easier to yank TDIU out from under underneath somebody than to, to reduce their actual rating that's true, that's true. I, as I tell as I tell any veteran, some ratings don't go to 100%. For example, if you've had a knee replacement, they won't give you 100%, but they'll give you IU because you can't use your knee, right? Now, it's your ultimate goal is to get rid of that IU designator because every year you get a letter from the VA saying, have you worked? Were you thinking about working? Please tell us what you have done. I've known so many veterans that got that letter, did not send it back in. The next thing you know, they're back to 60%. Ain't you, Gerald? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have seen those stories all over the place. A, they're rampant. They're all over the place. I mean, I've seen it three or four times. That, you know, and that's why I tell people, you get to make sure you turn that sucker in every year. And a lot of times they, they'll get it, but they'll lose it, and they'll say they never got it. And, uh, of course, it's always, it, I mean, the VA is a big, you know, it's a big organization, okay? Uh, uh, fusion adds to chaos, okay? And the poor veteran is the beneficiary of that chaos. And in and the event of death, uh, the spouse, uh, you know, that uh, IU don't, uh, that drops off, and so that leaves the veteran with just 70%, and that uh, disqualifies her. The spouse for DIC. Uh, DIC. Yeah. Right. Unless the veteran dies of service connected condition. Now yeah. if you're if you're a Vietnam Air vet or a war veteran, say for example, now, you know, the Gulf War guys are fighting over the burn pit situation. Okay, say you go for illness you know, you you're seventy percent for your Gulf War illness and they give you IU. Say two years down the road, they approve burn pits, and they've got some presumptive conditions coming out for the burn pits. You've got a couple of those conditions. You file your claim and get those conditions added to your claim. You drop the IU designator and get your 100% P&T. 
that uh, the 100 percent permanent total basically tells them that your condition is static and that you're not going to improve. So they'll they'll basically they'll leave you alone, supposedly. You know, but the VA can reduce anybody at any time if they want to, as long as the veteran qualifies to be reduced. You know, there are certain protections built into the rules. You know, they can't reduce you off like one exam after so many years, like 10 years. And after 20 years, you know, unless, unless, unless Q is involved with 20 years, they can't reduce your or, or sever your service connection. So, right. You know, that's it, the it, issue. it was my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was my understanding that they, that they, they tend to send people, or at least they can send people who are on TDIU uh, for a new CMP exam about every two years if they want to. Is that not correct? Basically, their ideal goal is to examine you every five years. Even on T, okay, no. that's what I thought with, when it comes to a rating that's not considered uh, P&P. But I thought, and I could be wrong, but I thought I had read that with TDIU, they can actually send you for a new CMP every two years. They can, but remember, it's condition-specific, okay? Uh, that basically... I think it more is along more along the lines of mental health mental health issues, and uh, you know they can do. Yeah, they that can, may be they true. Can, that may be true. They can examine you anytime they want to. You know that's the VA. You know they can do that. Right. Uh, but again, that examination is coming out of the regional office because you know they're wanting to watch their money and you know try to keep as much in their pocket as they can so they get bonuses. No, I'm not being mean or anything, but uh, the truth, you know, I, we we like to tell the truth, anyways, on this show. <laughs> we try. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but uh, if you've been dealing with it as long as we have, I mean, we've been doing this for several several years, and uh, you know, we want to believe that everything's good and going to be good, but there comes a point in time to where, you know, actions are speak louder than words, and. All you got to do is read the actions, and uh, you can hear the words, but you know, once you see the actions, you'll know, you, you know what the words really don't mean that much. So, you know, it's a. Uh, some people get lucky and get their claims through, and it's all fine and dandy. Some folks have to wait and wait and wait and fight. You know, fight like they're you know two mad dogs and tied up in a pen just to get anything. Just to get ten percent, people's got to fight. Um, you know, and Lord behold, anybody that's got an exposure claim. That's one of the hardest things I've ever seen to have to prove exposure claims. And uh, Gerald knows that firsthand. And if you've got anything dealing with black ops, you can forget it. <laughs> anything, my big claim. Yeah, I hear, I hear you. There's going to be a lot of records to be to submit to the VA when you've been in black ops. That's yeah, there's not going to be many records. So those records were destroyed a long time ago. Well, I doubt that they're destroyed. They just say they are, and you're not going to get your hands on them. That's the bottom line. Well, I've only seen one person get there so far, and it's uh, Air America. So, but uh, there's always hope. But things will happen. I mean, you know, there's always hope. Uh, at least a person does have value. At least he's getting paid 100% rate, you know. And I think if you got a condition that you're getting paid IU for that doesn't have a 100% uh, designator, say if you've got a condition of 70% and you're getting IU for it, you know, I think that should count as your 100% if, you, if you're going for a SMC. 
you know, say if you get another rating of 60%, you know, that should that should at least be able to help you get your S&C because it should be the same as 100%. You know, and uh, I know a friend of mine, he had, we got him his IU oh, four, five years ago, six years ago now, and uh, he's uh, in Korea, and uh, we actually went back and kept going back and fighting and fighting, and finally we helped him write some stuff up that, uh, they came back around and said, okay, you know, we've given you 100%, you know, longer IU. So that made him happy, made him feel better. He got his benefits then. Is your IU P&T? No, currently I'm I'm, I'm not service-connected. Uh, right, right now my, my claim is uh, I'm 70%. It's a mental, mental health disorder, 70% not service-connected. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm in the DRO review process right okay. now. Okay. Okay, but you're you're but you're seventy percent now. That's that, that's what they've got you. Um, that, that's what they're saying that your rating should be seventy percent. Yeah, when I look up on eBenefits, it's showing my condition is rated at seventy percent. Uh, right. But not service connected. Right. Okay. They so gave essentially, you right now, my priority is is to prove service connection, and I should be good. But the process just seems to take so long. That it just sits there doing nothing. Well, you've had your diagnosis stuff, right? I mean, they've got you diagnosed having, I guess, PTSD, and uh, you're seventy percent now. I got a question: Are you a wartime veteran? No, and it's okay. not PTSD; uh, it's bipolar disorder. Oh, okay. Well, basically, it's mental health. It's about the same type of Reno, and I understand. You know, I understand because right. uh, bipolar is a uh, bipolar is a little bit different, but. You know, I mean, it's getting it. Uh, now, do you have to prove a stressor for a bipolar disorder? I'm, I'm sorry, say again? Do you have to prove a stressor for a bipolar disorder? Something that actually caused it? Uh, well, uh, yes and no. Primarily what, what what I need to prove and, and what the record actually shows now. I, I did get, I got an, an IMO from... Uh, from one of the the best experts you can get one from in the country sitting in my record right now. So, um, yeah, there are stressors that were included in that IMO that help him draw his conclusions. But uh, essentially, I mean, what I need more than anything, I had a 30-day hospitalization prior to my being uh, 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 discharged from the Army. So a 30-day mental health hospitalization, that was really... My first, uh, the the first time that I I got hit with bipolar disorder, but of course they didn't diagnose it as that. They did what they tend to do, which diagnose it as a personality disorder and send you on your way because that's not compensable. So I feel for uh, you, brother. I know all about them. Right. So so I got. I'm not. I'm sure you're familiar. I think you've had him on your show before. I actually had uh, Dr. Brett Vallette do uh, my IMO. And so it's just oh, sitting in your claims file waiting for someone to open Brent it up. Brett Didgers, okay. Okay. Yeah, he did what a did fantastic job, if you ask me. The guy, the guy is really, really good at what he does. When's your hearing? Uh, I don't, well, I, I don't have a DRO hearing scheduled yet. That's another long story. I actually I, I requested the DRO process when I actually sent in my nod but that got ignored, that portion of it. My nod got submitted, but they didn't acknowledge my DRO election. So just recently I got them to turn that around, and I finally got the process letter about the DRO. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually got queries in now to find out if that set my claim back 10 months 
because they didn't file it correctly. No, what, what they like to do it. is they, what they like to do now, from what I can understand, is they like you to go ahead and, and nod nod your disagreement, and then what they do is like turn send you a statement of case. And with that statement of case, they like to offer you the traditional appeal process or the DRO. And the DRO is supposed to make things go a little bit smoother. You know, it's kind of an informal meeting. You know, and uh, yeah, that's actually that. See, see, it's it, it's a little more convoluted, and I've actually read that description of how this process works. But it's a little more convoluted than that. What actually happens, you don't get a statement of the case unless the DRO review does not find in your favor. Then they'll give you yeah. a statement of the case and start preparing your case for the for the appeals board. Yeah. Uh, so what happens at this point? You just get you get a process letter that says you know you're 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 going to be under DRO review. It doesn't necessarily give you a uh, or at least not at this point a hearing. In fact, it, it, the letter even states that the DRO can choose to do a hearing or choose to do a informal conference uh, or you can request one. So what I've got on file right now is a request for an informal conference. Now, a question for you there. Now, this doctor that gave you the IMO, okay, I know this is a mental health condition. Right. Is he treating you for anything? No. Okay. I understand. I think I know what the VA is doing to you. Okay. The VA passed a rule. Well, they're not doing anything yet. Ago. They haven't even they haven't even opened it up and looked at the IMO. That right. just got that just got sent to them in sixty days ago. So. They, they may not look at it. They might, they might try. They might try to discount it. Well, they can try, but the, you know that that that's not win. For me, that's that's a win at the Board of Veterans Appeals. I know it's just going to cost me a lot of years. Yeah, well, not really. I mean, you know, this it depends on where you're at in the country, and also depends on how fast they're running, uh, what you choose. If you choose right. a travel board, it'll be a little bit quicker. If you choose to go to D.C., you can go to D.C. a little bit quicker. You know. Right. Who you got representing you? Nobody. Just me. Just you? Okay. Just well, if you me. go to the board... No if you go to the, I guess on, on my file, I've got the American Legion, but I've never heard a word from them. Well, I tried to contact to, if, them at if, one point and never got a call back. Well, if you go to the situation which, where you need to go to a BVA or something like that, you might want to consider getting some, different, some decent representation because, you know, uh, that might be your best interest. I mean, I understand the VSOs, you know, they got a certain, they do a pretty good job, but once it gets over their head, it's over their head. So, right. uh, you know, you need to, I mean, there's there's all kinds of good people that take it on. And uh, but uh, I wish you the best of luck. We're out of time. I want to thank you for calling in, though. I mean, uh, you, you you made our you made our day oh, there, yeah. buddy. We we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate y'all being there. And yeah, I think uh, you might you might get some more callers and some more listeners if you make sure when you post this stuff on the Hadit forum, you let people know or even give them a link. Uh, they can just click and listen. I'll, 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 I'll put a link to the blog. I'll put a direct link to the show from now on. Thanks for that uh, heads yeah, up. I, I appreciate it, Thanks for being there, fellas. You guys have a great day. All righty. Well, uh, Gerald, thanks for coming on helping me out today, buddy. It's been a heck of a show. We're doing a good job. We got to say goodbye to a good member and uh, many new friends in the process. Uh, we'll see everybody, I guess, next Wednesday on the regular Haddit show or the uh, where Mr. Cook will be the host and I'll be the co-host <laughs> if the Lord's willing. And <laughs> don't. 
But uh, this be it. This be Bastard. We're signing off for now. You have been listening to the Bastard Hour. The Bastard Hour is brought to you by Hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.